please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The story of King Ahab grabbing the land that belonged to Naboth is a dramatic story. After hearing the progression of events, we come to the climax. Elijah says to Ahab, You have sold yourself to do what is evil. You have sold yourself. When we sell something, we exchange one thing for something else. When we sell ourselves, we give away some important part of our selfhood in exchange for some kind of gain. But implicit in this idea that we are selling ourselves is the idea that this so-called gain or the understanding that this so-called gain has only questionable value in the long run. In Ahab's case, he sold out his legitimacy as a king for the sake of a piece of land he wanted. And Ahab's choice is viewed in contrast with Naboth, who would not sell his ancestral land. Here, Naboth's refusal to sell his land becomes a metaphor for refusal to sell out what has been entrusted to him by God. In our Hebrew scriptures, the stories of kings and prophets are always intertwined with one another. The people of Israel wanted a king. They felt that strong kingly leadership would strengthen the people, strengthen them in the face of competing religions and nations and tribes that surrounded them. God granted their wish, but only as a concession to human weakness, not because God really desired kings for God's people. God provided kings to the people of Israel, but always made it clear that God granted kingly authority on a conditional basis. God granted kingly power, and God could just as easily take away that power. Kings were always accountable to God, aren't we all? So in the books of the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, the books of Samuel and the books of Kings tell the stories of how a monarchy for Israel was established and continued. And the prophets are always in the picture alongside the kings. The prophets are an ever-present reminder to each king that the kings are required to serve God and that their God-given power can just as easily be stripped away from them if they fail to be faithful. Of course, this is the perspective of the Israelites, the covenant people of Yahweh, the one God. Trouble often comes in the form of competing sects, like the worship of Baal, which is part of King Ahab's problem. If we were to back up in our scriptures and take in some of the background before we get to the reading we heard this morning, we would find that Ahab has a history of worshiping Baal and aligning himself with the prophets of Baal or other Baal worshipers. Among the Baal worshipers, there's a belief that kings are closer to God than other mortals and are free to do anything they wish. This is most emphatically not the belief of the Israelites, the followers followers in Yahweh's ways, the ones represented by the prophet Elijah. So King Ahab is not acting on God's behalf, which is abundantly clear when Ahab gives Jezebel, his wife, free free reign to plot Naboth's death. 
And although our scripture notes Ahab's worship of Baal as a problem, it's not until Ahab acts unjustly and coercively and violently that we hear a proclamation of God's judgment. Ahab's failure at being faithful to the religion of the Israelites doesn't seem to be as big a problem in the eyes of our scripture writers, perhaps in the eyes of God, as Ahab's failure to act justly as a king. Today, we might sell ourselves for money or security or power. King Ahab sold himself for a piece of land, for a vegetable garden. Ahab wanted Naboth's land so that Ahab could have a garden closer to home. The fundamental belief behind the idea that a person can sell herself or himself, the belief that underlies the role of prophets in relation to kings, is this. It is God who has given you the gifts to be a prophet, a president, a king, or a doctor or a teacher or a parent or a pastor, and God will hold you accountable for how you use these gifts. This belief that God makes us who we are and holds us accountable for how we live is a belief that shows itself over and over in Scripture and a belief that is every bit as central today to use some traditional language that we call upon often, all that we have and all that we are come to us as gifts from God. Kings of Israel were called to reign on God's behalf, called to a kingship that would reflect justice and faithfulness. And Ahab traded justice for a piece of land and traded faithfulness for coercive use of power. A king of Israel would have been understood to be bound by Israel's covenant relationship with God. Parts of the covenant are spelled out very explicitly. You shall not kill. You shall not covet what belongs to someone else. So King Ahab's violation of the covenant is clear. Kings were the political system of Elijah's day, so I can't help but wonder how these dynamics compare to today's political system. The vineyard belonging to Naboth in Elijah's day might today be simply power or money, tempting gains that lure a politician away from their rightful focus on enhancing the greater good and representing the real needs and best interests of ordinary people. Just as the Baal worshippers of Elijah's day believed that kings were somehow closer to God and had the freedom to act as they would, we seem to observe politicians today who feel that their position entitles them to disregard the greater good of a civil society and to disregard a sense of accountability to the people in favor of doing as they wish or serving their self-interest. And just as the faithful Israelites understood that a king was always a steward of power and authority on God's behalf and understood that a king was called to reflect the justice that is consistent with the character of a God who is just, we observe politicians today who seem to reflect an earnest concern for justice and the well-being of all people. The prophet is the one who calls a spade a spade, who doesn't mince words in telling the once faithful that they have strayed. The prophet tells the king, or maybe the politician, you got into this because God called you to do good for the world, 
and its people. But now you are just another cog in the political machine. Or as Elijah puts it to Ahab, you have sold yourself. You have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Who are our prophets today? I can't presume to say who those people are applied to our political arena, but I sure can think of an example in the church. Two weeks ago, our Adult Contemporary Issues Forum honored our celebration of Reconciling Sunday by exploring the current state of the movement for full inclusiveness in the United Methodist Church. In the process, we heard the voice of one prophet. When Bishop Melvin Talbert was on the threshold of retirement from serving as Bishop of the California Nevada Annual Conference, our regional body here of the United Methodist Church, he preached a last sermon in front of the Annual Conference. He held up a United Methodist Book of Discipline in one hand. That's the book that outlines our doctrine, but also our history, our rules, our policies and procedures in many areas. He held up a Book of Discipline in one hand and a Bible in the other hand. And he said, the Book of Discipline is not the Bible. And he went on to say, and the Bible is not God. When the book of discipline is in conflict with the Bible, we are called to be faithful to the Bible, says Bishop Talbert. And when we find things in the Bible that are in conflict with God's call through Christ to love God and love our neighbor and self, we are called to be faithful to God. Choose the Bible over the book of discipline and choose God over the Bible, he said. The role of the prophet is to offer clear-sighted commentary on current events. Bishop Talbert sees that the United Methodist Church has lost its way when it comes to love of God and neighbor, specifically when the United Methodist Church maintains policies that place gay and lesbian persons in a status of second-class citizens. Bishop Talbert offers insightful commentary on the state of the church today. The role of the prophet is to call God's people back to faithfulness. Bishop Talbert calls the church to be faithful first and foremost to the inclusive love Christ lived and taught and calls us to follow. I almost always read scripture with an eye to how it applies on at least two levels. One is the ways that scripture speaks to us communally or collectively, as a church or as a community or as a society. This is God's call to order our common life in ways that reflect justice, compassion, and self-giving service. And scripture speaks to us individually as well. So we can hear God's message to Ahab as a message to each one of us also. We remember that God gives us gifts, somewhat conditionally, with the understanding that we will use our gifts our time and our skills and our resources, all the gifts we've been given, that we use these gifts on God's behalf. We are called to live our lives in ways that reflect justice and compassion and self-giving service. In the life of faith, there is a tension between justice, between the voice of the prophet calling people to account, and mercy. God does ask something of us makes certain demands on us. These demands are often communicated by those we see as prophets. God calls us to live with integrity, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, 
mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. God calls us to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. And there is judgment, as Elijah expresses to Ahab, when we don't live with faithful integrity. But there is also mercy. As often as the prophets tell us what God's standards are for us, tell us how to hold up our end of the covenant with God, Scripture tells us just as often how merciful and forgiving God is. There is a tension or a balance there. What the prophets remind us is that there is no place to hide. What Scripture also reminds us is how God loves us and forgives us. And in the tension between these two poles, our absolute visibility before God and God's love for us, we pilgrims on this journey of faith somehow find our way. We try to hold on to our faith, to live out our call to transform the world in the image of God's kingdom. We try not to sell out in the face of temptation to walk an easier road and we accept God's love and forgiveness, knowing that that is the source of our hope, the rock we build upon as we construct a faithful life. Amen.